And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. And relax, a pulsating game at Anfield and a point apiece. Perhaps not the result that City would have wanted given their first half, but had a bit in your hand off for that point in the build-up to the match after the recent record there. Quality goals, spells of pressure and controversy, and it leaves City two points off the top of the table going into the October international break. Not that that means much. I start to see the table after 10, 12 fixtures. Now to be one point ahead, one point down... On no, it's important. Good job, there's plenty more to talk about then. I'm David Mooney and with me is the Athletic City correspondent Sam Lee. Hello. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, good. That was enjoyable. Like, I've, Yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Um, just such a high-level game, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't enjoy like just it. Just two we'll get, quality we'll, teams. We'll get into why I didn't enjoy it really yeah. that much until uh, you know a bit, a bit later on. Uh, this is the Athletic City's podcast, Why Always Us. Uh, and if you want to sign up to the Athletic right now and you can read all of Sam's stuff on City, uh, just sign up with the code MANCITYPOD. You'll get 33% off the price of a full subscription. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash MANCITYPOD. Um, so obviously, Sam, risking the wrath of Guardiola here after that clip that I've just played. Um, but to be two points off the top and having taken four points from the games at Chelsea and Liverpool and, you know, having already been to Spurs and Leicester by the October international break, um, it's not a bad position to be in, is it? No, it's not. Um, it's not bad at all. You'd think, yeah, I suppose after that start and the late pre-season and stuff, um, you'd have taken that. And again, going back to before the Chelsea game and there were questions about why if City lose all of these three games coming up, um, it could have been, you know, big, uh, it, in in a not too distant parallel universe, we could have been talking this morning about how the title race isn't over despite City being like seven or nine points behind or whatever it would have been. Um, that, yeah, clip of, that clip of Guardiola would have got a right airing as well in that situation. I know, it? but like it would have been such a, it's just such a um, kind of charade, that thing. Like it's one of those mornings where I'd rather just not do a podcast about it. I'd rather just not waste everyone's time me trying to tell everyone not to panic because ultimately I might have been wrong anyway and maybe it would have been time to panic. Um, would have been going through, oh, Pep says this and you know the performance is that and it, it would have been, I don't know, I think it would have been a worthwhile podcast but also sometimes it's just better shutting up and waiting to see what happens. But yeah, I looked at the Premier League table after the game and I was like, oh, Chelsea are top because obviously that kind of sheen of, oh God, Chelsea are amazing has, was worn away slightly by, by City winning there but obviously... Chelsea will probably win. Well, they'll 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 fare much better against the rest of the teams. Um, and this is what I'm thinking about City as well. Uh, you know, Liverpool. In fact, it's going to be the same. You know, Liverpool were made to look ordinary, particularly in the first half by City. But that's you know, City like City are. Oh, I'm, okay, I'm saying this because it's we're all we're all among City fans here. But <laughs> City are the best team in Europe. Like I'm I'm convinced of it. And just because I don't know, just. Oh, it's, a, it's a different debate, but I suppose it's similar to what we're saying. You know, the, the kind of issue in front of goal, does that mean they're not? I don't know. But City can make Chelsea and Liverpool look ordinary 
but those teams will look much better against the vast majority of the rest of the league. And what I'm trying to work out this morning about City is with their, I would say, relative lack of goals in the last few games um, or goals when they need them, which again is odd because they still scored twice at Anfield. Um, will that be the issue come the end of the season? Or will the performances be so good and as long as City, you know, if they, let's say they have avoided complacency based on everything that Guardiola is saying about how happy he is about the performances, which I agree with, um, you know, when it does come to play in who they got after the international break, Burnley, Brighton, if they, they, I'm not saying they'll play like that because I think you raise your game for Chelsea and Liverpool, but if they apply themselves and do what they're supposed to do, will they have enough in terms of goals over the rest of the season like they did last year when basically the finishing was the same level? Yeah. So, yeah, um, it, it's certainly a good place to be in at the moment. There's, I mean, there is something in kind of like what you were saying there in terms of the performances against PSG, Liverpool and Chelsea. That I, I, like For my money, City were the better team in all three games and were... Liverpool's a little bit different because because it was a, one of the the classic game of two halves in that Liverpool could not be as bad as they were in the first half in the second half. We'll come to that a bit a bit later on. Um, but in terms of, of dominance over the ninety minutes, I think City ed- I, I think City edged that one. I thought in Paris they were, they, were so. they were the better team throughout, yeah. and I and I thought uh, obviously against Chelsea they were fantastic. Um, so when like when you take that in isolation, that's it's it, like you say it's all well and good being the better team, but you've got to get the points on the board. And like you look at the South, mm. like, are they going to chuck in too many of those Southampton performances over the course of the yeah. season? And I, I don't like we were talking about that good feeling you get at, at, at various points after Leicester. I remember I remember I remember it being the Leicester game where I was saying I was getting that good feeling. I don't I, I feel like they might chuck in the old Southampton performance this season, but it's not it's not going to be enough to derail. A title challenge. Now, that's not to say that they'll go on and win the title. It's to say that they'll be within touching distance of the winners come the end of the season, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and it is difficult to know now. Um, if you look at the results, so in terms of chucking in the Southampton performance, like, so Pep gave a really long, detailed answer to one of my questions yesterday, and I, I wasn't sure if it was because I'd annoyed him a bit or... I'd managed to make my point well enough to say, look, I'm not having a go, but what do you reckon to this? Because basically I, pre- I did that thing where I had to preface it and say, look, fantastic performance today. I, I think I said I agree with everything he said and I might have even gone back to Friday when he said about how he's so happy with the performances and no complacency and stuff. But I was, because he'd mentioned how they didn't take their chances, I was like, is there any kind of disappointment given how fantastic the performance was that the finishing didn't quite match? And he was like, that he was like, there's nothing in my mind, in my body, in my soul about disappointment about what we've done. And he talked about the character and the performance and these kind of things. And, you know, the, the energy and whatever to do it after, you know, going to PSG and losing and then picking themselves up and going to Anfield and playing like that in the first half. Well, you know, weathering that storm in the first 15 minutes, then being great for the next 30 minutes and then going to go down and coming back and going to go down and coming back. And I, I said all the same on Twitter before that. So... I hope he does know that I completely agree with him. But it, the perspective is just, I'm kind of thinking, is that finishing going to be the issue throughout the season? And I wanted to know what he thought. And maybe, maybe he's thinking the same thing. I mean, he, I don't want to be, I don't want to sound arrogant enough to say he probably is. But obviously when he said <laughs> it, when he answered, he's no, absolutely not. But you do, you do wonder. Because then he did go on and mention, you know, we know, you know, Kevin's not good with his head, which is fine. You don't expect a boy to be good with his head. 
for that chance he had. And he was like, and Phil missed that chance. And, the, the, and he said, there was other ones. And he said, he goes, we didn't create a thousand million chances, but much more than Liverpool. And it's like, it does make you think like they could have won that game quite easily. See, yeah. they could have been out of sight before Liverpool. And, you know, Liverpool will think they could have won it given where the game was. Given, you know, they were, they were 1-0 up, 2-1 up. Given Fabinho had that, yeah, yeah, it was I, I, at the end. It was so late as well that Fabinho chance. I didn't realize. I didn't, yeah, so, I didn't yeah. realize how late it was until I saw the clip of it again later on. Um, and they probably think they could win it given where the game was. But I, I would say the game should never have been there anyway. City should have or could have. No, it should have um, been out of sight by then. And I, yeah, so that's why I asked Guardiola. You know, is there any kind of disappointment about that? But you know, he was he wasn't. We certainly wasn't going to admit to it, even if he felt it. But when he, he mentioned, he talked for a couple of minutes, a bit like I am now, um, and he mentioned how the Southampton game, he goes, he goes, that I didn't like, you know, we weren't good. But, you know, how we played recently, you know, he said we're awesome against PSG. And when you, he goes, you learn about great teams when they lose and how they react. Um, and he was like, you know, against PSG, we were awesome, but we lost. Um, um, against Liverpool, you know, we were losing, but we, but we were playing really well. So it's it's just interesting now to kind of to weigh that up in terms of the performances versus the outcome. He also said, which which I thought was the most interesting, I used it to sum up my to sum up my article. He said, um so in terms of all the performances and how good they were, but also, you know, that they're not necessarily scoring the goals they, they should, he said it might not be enough to win the league or it, does, it doesn't make you champions. He goes, it, it might not give you the results, but the satisfaction is massive. Now, I get what he means in terms of satisfaction because heading into the season with a lot of those players wanting to go, thinking, you know, they were going to get Kane and not getting him. The, the transfer window did not go how they wanted it to. Guardiola's admitted that they're missing something. I think that was, those were exact words without a striker. So he knows that. Um, yeah, the players... Like Laporte, for example, um, some of the others who who could have left or wanted to, Sterling, um, not so much Bernardo, but you you might have thought, how are they going to react? Do they still want to be here? Is it going to be bad for the atmosphere and the performances and stuff? But like that, like well, Laporte, Jesus could have gone, but obviously he's been really well. I thought he was excellent at Anfield. Bernardo in particular has been fantastic. Like if he was worried about that, which I'm sure he may have been pre-season. And even maybe in the first couple of weeks, like I, I know why that satisfaction is massive for him. In his words, because the way they're performing shows actually no, they are going to fight. They're not yeah. that complacency is not going to be there. They are going to fight for this title. In the words of Kevin Keegan, <laughs> um, and I, I, I know exactly what he means. But it, what I mean about the perspective is: Am I just you know is the way I am as a person looking on the downsides or whatever? Am I too worried about? the lack of goals or do the performances mean that they'll probably be okay? And I'm, I'm starting to think, you know, when, when the games against the other teams roll around, as long as they do apply themselves properly in those matches, then surely they will create enough to still win. And it will be very similar to last season in the sense that they don't, they don't have a finisher. They don't, and they, they're forward players, even though they'll probably get at least 10 each between them and not as clinical as they need to be. And they'll probably be all right. But it's just... It's hard to know for sure at the moment. Yeah, I was going to say, let's do the striker thing um, because I mean, I, I, we talked oh, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we talked a little bit about the no, character no, and, and uh, coming back from, uh, from from goals behind. Um, 
because I mean Guardiola was talking before about that, that there'll always be spells of pressure in in this game, and it was that you know for for me watching it, the reason I didn't enjoy it is because I don't like City under pressure. It's as simple as that. And there were times when City were under pressure. There were times when City it felt like weren't capitalising on the pressure that 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 uh, that they were creating as well. Um, I mean watching the game back, I, I thought honestly uh, when City went one behind. One equaliser was probably all City were going to muster. So when that second one went in, I was thinking, "Ah, oh, well, that's it now." And you know, the, yeah, the, the, you can forget that you can forget second equaliser. But then along it comes, and you know, Foden has. I think I think Foden has the chance to win it. Uh, so Jesus has the chance to win it late on um, when Sterling um, yeah. went through, and, and all. It, it, so, it was a really well struck shot, but it did, it did just, Robertson yeah. block it with his back? Yeah, it was a good block as well. Sterling went. Sterling went through a couple of times. Yeah, um, and then obviously Which the Fabinho I, they didn't chance. Show on match of the day too, but. The the Sterling ones would have just been would have been amazing. Yeah. If he'd scored the winner. I'd still be in town now if he'd scored the winner. <laughs> I know. Um but unfortunately we can't we can't have everything, can we? That's the that's the sad thing about football. Uh, then obviously but, again, the- but, but again, tying it back into what we were saying, like those those didn't even come up, up on match of the day too, but it's like they were chances. You've got to, and like Sterling's probably the worst for it, isn't he? Yeah. Like going through on goal. He is the worst for that. And then Guardiola brought him on with 20 minutes to go and I know why he did to stretch the game and Grealish probably needed to you know if they were going to make a change it would have been him but you think if he if the if the opportunities here are to stretch the teams and run in behind them then is there still into man done the, but yeah still into man he, he well, runs yeah, in behind create, well creating the space isn't that fine but like once you actually get a chance to run in behind yourself if they're playing a high line and you're and you're transitioning and you've got through balls which City did all game. Can you not just go with somebody who can score one on one? But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but even so, um, with all that in mind, then yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I watched uh, match of the day last night uh, when I couldn't sleep in bed. So um, I got all the Alan Shearer analysis of the of the striker thing, and I, I, I take the point. He was for those that haven't seen it. He was talking about how. Uh, there was the focal point missing. So every time Foden or Grealish or somebody got the ball in a, in a decent area or, uh, wide, they would look for that pass into the middle to kind of hold the ball and, 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 and just move the team a bit further forward. And it wasn't there because the run wasn't being made or the, there was just the, just this big gaping space at the top end of the pitch. Yeah. And that also in City, the box, like for crosses. Yeah, that meant, effectively meant City had to go back on themselves and build up again and, and kind of let Liverpool get back into position. Um Mark Chapman put it to him, obviously, the the discussion that we were having last week with Nedham about whether or not you'd still get those chances based on taking a midfielder out and having a striker in, all that sort of stuff. Um, and kind of another thought kind of struck me in all of this as well. Actually, looking at these three away fixtures that City have had this week, it's, it's entirely plausible that City had got Kane and Guardiola didn't start with him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I- Part of what I was talking to Nadam about last week before we did the pod and I was talking to Rafa Honigstein Anfield about it yesterday. So I'm, maybe we did mention it on the pod. I was like, imagine it gets to the situation where they sign Haaland and they play Anfield next year and they leave him on the bench. Um, <laughs> because I think the question is, and I was talking to Nadam about it um, after the game yesterday, I was like, is it possible to play players in a City team like that where it's about control and and working back. So, you know, Foden obviously gave Milner a torrid time. And he, even when Milner had gone off, that was when, is that when Foden scored? I can't remember. Uh, it probably wasn't actually. But anyway, Foden gave Milner a torrid time. But there was a, a moment before half time when Liverpool crossed it from the left and Milner was attacking it at the back post. And Foden tracked him all the way back 
and got his body in the way and cleared it. But it must have come off Milner because City got a goal kick. And Jesus tracked back every time and still ran forward basically every time and got that really good assist um, when he carried it forward for the Foden goal. And I think, is it... So you've got the whole idea of false nines and they've got different qualities. They're more like midfielders. But also the wingers work so hard back. And I'm not saying Sterling wouldn't have because Sterling would have. But Mares is not going to do that to the same level as Jesus. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. And then you start thinking, oh, but Jesus didn't attack the back post for this. And, and Foden missed a couple of chances in the first half. Um, obviously, you've got the whole false nine situation. But you think, is it possible to have clinical players who will score those goals like Mane and, and Salah and Messi and Neymar or whatever and have them track back to that extent? Like, do these players exist? Now, I think they do. And I think that's what Mane and Salah do give you because they didn't they didn't um, have particularly good games other than their goals yesterday, did they? City kept them very quiet. But it, it must, like... And we, I think we've seen it before in the past with with Sane in his better seasons and and Sterling um, and uh, like Luis Suarez when he was at Barca. Um, these players do exist in terms of the work rate to work back and score the goals. Um, or may- maybe this is a whole red herring and maybe the fact that it's not an either-or situation. Maybe it's not control or goals. Maybe you don't need that level of control when you can just... Pop it in the net. Goals. Yeah, more and, often and than like, the And also, that level of control, you're always going to get that with a Pep team anyway. We're talking ultra control at the minute, aren't we? So, yeah. again, I've got to that, peri- that period of the podcast when I'm arguing with myself. But I'm, I'm just trying to work out all the different ins and outs of it and the whole striker debate. But for me, it's, it's broader than the striker debate because, like I tweeted sarcastically during the first half, I said if City had a striker, he would have scored those two chances Foden had on the left wing and slid in at the back post on the right wing for... For De Bruyne's cross, like no striker is going to be on the end of all of those chances. Like they well, shouldn't be. They, I, they would I, be I down saw, the middle. I, I saw Gaz tweet. Um, my mate Gaz tweet. Um, that this mythical striker that City should have bought would have had about a hundred goals by now. Yeah, um, and like, like to go back to what you were saying about Shearer's analysis, I do get that. Like, hundred percent agree. But then I did think, well, if they did have a striker like that, would they lose a bit of the control? But I'm also thinking. Not necessarily, because Aguero, you know, he wasn't as good of a presser as Jesus was, but there became there came a time during Guardiola's reign with both of them when Aguero just ended up playing in those big games anyway, because he could do the job well enough and he'd score the goals. And he still got the control. It wasn't really missing. So it is a really interesting debate. And you think if you put a striker into that, would it have been the same performance? And you go, would it need to have been the same performance? Um, because okay maybe they wouldn't have had the control and we're coming away saying oh well they bossed the game Anfield and they did this and that um, so that that was obviously great and if they just add the finishing to it you think, is it possible to finish like that with those players yeah. but then you just think well if they just had the normal level of control and hard work and tactical planning and stuff but somebody who can score a goal out of nothing then it's a different game anyway. So I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's a, it is a really interesting one. And I mean, the, I think the upshot is City aren't too bad, whatever happens. And yeah, yeah. Talking about the striker thing again, you know what? When you mentioned it, I was like, oh, here we go. But basically, my articles from the Chelsea, PSG, and Liverpool games have been exactly the same. 
but with different quotes and circumstances. Like, uh, there, but there's no other point I can think of making. Obviously, I could drill down into a specific performance, and I'm going to write something on Bernardo today. But there's no other takeaway I can get from these games other than City are playing really well. They've not scored the goals that they necessarily need to. Is that going? Like, how is that going to go for the rest of the season? Yeah. Now, like I said, this morning I am starting to think they'll, as long as you know, as long as they are committed enough to to play well in these games, they probably will score enough goals against the, the lesser teams and in the big games they'll just do like yesterday and we'll see how it goes so they probably will be alright but it is fascinating and the striker debate is fascinating because there's so many facets to it Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night Yep, you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Final thing for the Liverpool game, Sam, before we move on into the second part of the show. Um, I don't normally make a habit of playing clips from opposition managers, but I thought this was fascinating from Jurgen Klopp. Um, he's speaking to Sky Sports and he was asked about, basically, Jeff Reeves was basically getting at the difference between the, the first half and the second half for Liverpool. Um, and this is what Klopp said. You play Man City and Man City with the ball is a proper team. So, um, but there are obviously, how we saw in the second half, ways to defend it. What you have to do, you have to close down the decisive spaces. For that, you have to step out in specific moments. So, you need, so what does City want to do? They want to play through the centre, first idea. But if the centre is closed, they go, they have, they leave the two wingers high and wide, pass the ball there. If it's a big switch or just a pass, when one situation is going in the box, whatever, these kind of things. We never close. I, I, I'm not sure I saw a lot of games where City could pass the balls that easy through the half spaces. So between our winger and eight, it was constantly poof. So what's the reason for that? We were in the last line to passive. We called the, the midfield line back. So neither Hando nor Curtis could really step out when, when needed, when necessary. So we were just passive. They passed the ball through us, they turned, and from there we go. That's, they didn't obviously, they had chances, clear, but um, they didn't score from that. But what it gives you is a really bad feeling. This bad feeling leads to not playing football, <laughs> what we didn't do as well. So then we had these long balls, which make absolutely no sense. One or two of them maybe made sense. All the rest, well, not really. I didn't see the reason for it. And obviously all these things we changed in the second half. Immediately you could see, we set it up, we were higher, we were more aggressive in this, in this situation because we felt closer, we felt more compact, so they couldn't play anymore like they wanted, so we were now in the game, we scored wonderful goals with the ball. We, 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 the, the message for the, for the football was play the extra pass. We didn't do that in the first half at all. I'm really happy, but the second half I'm really happy, it's a strong opponent, do we want to win a game like this? Yes, but um, we have to admit today, because the game has two halves, the point is completely fine. 
So obviously, Sam City didn't capitalise on that bad feeling that they'd created against Liverpool in the in the first half. Um, in that sense, it was it, it was that was actually the the physical embodiment, I guess, of of that phrase. Half time came at the wrong time because City were all over them at, at that point, and half time did give Liverpool the chance to regroup. Klopp there explained how they regrouped. They got their their that um, they cut down the, the half spaces effectively. Um, and I guess it also shows that that in terms of, of of performance, tactics and mentality of the players aren't an isolated issue. So, in many ways, I guess that kind of speaks to how 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 positive it is that City equalised twice in the second half as well, in a in a period where they weren't yeah. causing Liverpool as many as many problems as they were in the first half. Yeah, exactly. So, in terms of that, when they went one 0 down. Because uh, this has been a thing that Guardiola has talked about over the years at City, like in those bad moments. I think City in the past of I can't I can't put my finger on a specific game now, but in the past when City have gone down in those games, probably Anfield, they then start rushing, they then start you know getting the ball forward a bit too quickly, and then obviously they lose it, and then you know as Guardiola said all the way through his career, you know the 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 quicker you get rid of it the quicker it comes back basically and that that's what City have done over the years and not so much recently and I was looking out for that when they went one nil down thinking you know in the first half and in particular in that 15 minutes when Liverpool were just keeping the pressure up every time the ball went out for a goal kick or a throw in the ball boys got it back to Liverpool straight away and they just kept the pressure on and there was a concerted effort to keep City under that pressure the whole time for the first 15 minutes but I swear City were more committed than ever to playing out from the back under pressure and I think that's why they got Foden in so often or especially played out from the back so well down the left because Cancelo and Bernardo were willing to hold it and hold it and hold it until the very last minute and then flick it to basically the other one if it wasn't Cancelo it was, it was Bernardo and they were just giving it to each other and then they'd be in space and they could either find Foden or find Rodri or find De Bruyne and City would go from there and they were so committed to doing that. And so when they went 1-0 down, I was like, are they still going to do this? Are they going to start just getting rid of it? Because, you know, the crowd are, the crowd are up now. The, the Liverpool players are really pressing. And no, they, they stuck to it. So your point about tactics and the mental attitude is absolutely spot on. And again, and that's why, you know, I, I'm not going to be too down on all missing the chances because, as Guardiola says, you know, everything else was, was so good and the, the mentality was so good. And, you know, to lose in Paris and go to Anfield and play really well again and then be losing like, it, like even maybe even last season and I'm not going to say City aren't going to have those performances but do you remember the United game that ended the 21 game winning streak in in March yeah it was just one of those when and I suppose the final as well but just one of those when City just don't just couldn't get going but you think the way that they've responded in Paris as well I think because they still dominated the game but okay they didn't find the goal and at Anfield they didn't panic and they didn't have that that disconnect, basically, which has been the problem in a lot of big games, particularly in the Champions League, where, yeah, the tactics kind of go out the window a bit because they've conceded a goal which they weren't expecting to or they've been playing really well and all of a sudden they're losing because of individual brilliance. And then you think, oh, fuck's sake. And then the tactics go out the window because you're not picking your men out anymore. You're just rushing the ball forward and trying to put things right. Um but yeah, they, they didn't suffer from that at all. Um, yeah. And that, that was very impressive, again, from City's point of view. The other thing with Klopp was, well, one thing, when Jeff Shreve said, he was trying to say, you know, what was the difference between the first half and the second? He said, was it the energy? And Klopp kind of huffed at, the first, uh, at first, basically. And I was like, if they had lost, I think, he probably would have just been 
Ahmad Arson, that, and you know when he's you know when he's you know when he's yeah, just really yeah, yeah. grumpy, and he's just a, he's basically a, a dick, isn't he? Which Pep can be as well for sure in terms of these these post match interviews. I, th- I think if they'd lost that game, he, he probably would have been again. I could be wrong, um, but because I think it was a good game, I think he probably enjoyed it. I think he was probably happy enough with the point, as he said at the end. Um, and I suppose he was probably happy enough with the response from his team and all of that. I think he made the split-second decision to explain to us mortals, you know, the, the ins and outs of the game. And that's something that Pep's fully capable of as well. And it would be great if they did it more often. Um, but, you know, sometimes the questions aren't right. Sometimes they're not in the mood to do it. Um, but, yeah, it was it was very good. But the other thing was, you know, he said how they were too far back and, I'm not. I'm not saying he wasn't given City credit. I'm, I'm not. I'm not picking faults in it at all. But I think when he's saying how they, that you know, the defense dropped deep and then the midfield dropped deep as well, that wasn't. You know, that's what you're saying about how yeah, it's not an isolated incident. That, to the tactics, it's yeah. not isolated. They they didn't. You know, that wasn't Klopp saying. You know, what we're going to do today, lads, is drop deep and let them play. You know, what City did was weathered that first 15, 20 minutes, which well, Gary Neville says it all the time, doesn't he? And it, it is true, to be fair. Like they weathered it, and then as soon as as soon as that happened, and City started playing the ball around, Liverpool did think, "What's going on here?" And like the fans were proper bewildered. Like it was, like it was very quiet in the, in the in the ground compared to what you would imagine. And the stuff about the Anfield atmosphere and stuff. I did something before the game, and I was like, "PSG will be, will have been a a, a more hostile atmosphere than Anfield." They they were getting booed and whistled like every possession they had the other night, City, and they had the ball for most of the game. And like the other day, well, yesterday, Anfield, there was just one fellow in the family stand sat by us booing Liverpool when they had the ball, and that was it. Like the rest yeah. of the time, they were just like, "What's going on here?" Because it's it's the same thing that happens to every top club. Like if you if you're used to watching a great performance every week, and all of a sudden your team aren't playing particularly well. You just think, what's what's going bit, on? Like you either yeah. you either you either bewildered or you're just really angry. But I don't, I don't think they could be angry because they were just like, what's happening? Because how often do Liverpool play like that? Yes, yeah. and I were, think City were fantastic. And I think the key for for City getting themselves up the pitch as well was and not the first time Foden got in behind Milner, but the second time because I think the second time it's obvious that he's got him. Yeah, they were like, hold yeah. on, we yeah. got a problem here. Yeah, we can. Keep I thought Milner this. would be really solid. I thought. People were saying, "Oh, can can City highlight Milner and isolate him?" And I was like, "Well, I was like, he's probably more defensively solid than Alexander Arnold." And I'd probably say he still is. And I was like, "If he just sits in, it might make Liverpool harder to break down." But I was completely wrong about that. <laughs> it's amazing. He, he, he could have had he could have had two red cards, and he managed to get none. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, I mean, I so I didn't have replay, so it's like I couldn't I couldn't really say oh, that should have been a penalty or looked outside the box or whatever. Because ultimately, in this situation, even though I'm in the ground and I'm supposed to be informing people, in these situations, and in some others when people understand the game better than I do, but in these situations where people are watching at home, millions of people are watching at home, and they've got access to replays, there's no point in me telling you what I thought. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've seen it from the gr- in the ground. Um, you know, anyone who goes to the game, they always like to watch the highlights afterwards or whatever, just for the... A different perspective or just to confirm or or deny whatever they'd seen um and that was the same with the yellow card i was like okay well it could have been a yellow but i didn't i didn't realize that i'd seen it after the game just how bad it was and also i don't really like i'm too i'm probably too worried about people going oh he's just you know pro c or whatever so i don't normally like going on about how bad refs are just in case it's just because my timeline saying the ref's terrible it doesn't necessarily mean i'm going to agree um but then having seen the decisions back it's, it is it is shocking. I can't believe it took Pep until Liverpool scored to get booked. He was going <laughs> absolutely, absolutely mental. But he even did like, 
was it after he got booked? But it went on for so long. And then uh, Liverpool scored and Bernardo got booked just for, from complaining about what I think it would have been the, the, the non-yellow card. And then Guardiola was doing it again. But there was even a time when like, because like, obviously all the Liverpool fans were giving him shit and he was kind of like, did like the proper sarcastic face, like, yeah, 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 all right. Like, like even doing that to the crowd, like he'd full on lost the head. But I can't believe he didn't get, I can't believe he didn't get sent off to be fair because it's almost like, I don't know. I, I, is it because he's not, I suppose he is aggressive, but it's all, it's, it is a bit slapstick as well, isn't it, when he gets yeah. out of And yeah. I, was, I was just trying to think like, if Dean Smith was going on for like, two minutes full on in their face and like really gesticulating like that. Maybe you'd feel more like this guy's going to knock me out. Therefore I'm more scared or it's more inappropriate and I'm going to send him off. Whereas when it's, you just think, Oh yeah, he's having a little, he's having a little tantrum. Just let him calm down. I'm, but I, Or maybe it's just the fact that it's Pep and you know, it's Klopp and it's Solskjaer, I suppose, even though you don't really put him in the same bracket. Tuckle as well. He gets very animated. Maybe maybe they just don't get sent off because they're big name managers, and I'm sure the fans of the other clubs would be saying that's the case. But I did wonder like why how how he didn't get sent off because he was it was on an absolute rampage for so long, and you just think, yeah, I, given what they're normally like with managers and stuff, it's it was unusual. But maybe, it, I mean, it wasn't it was quite entertaining to watch, but also having seen the replay back, I was going to say maybe maybe, fully, maybe it's because he was right, fully justified. Maybe it's because yeah, well, he was maybe because he was right. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. We're going to finish the show this week, Sam, with some questions from Twitter. Um, I, I know a lot of people asked about Raheem Sterling, but I've not included any of those in this uh, in this one because we are planning to do a bit more on Raheem Sterling next week on uh, next week's podcast. So uh, save yourselves for that one. Um, but another player on many people's lips. Uh, we had questions from Stephen Ollie on this, uh, but I've picked out these two. Uh, Aaron says uh, Bernardo's situation has anything changed? He was and is amazing, and we cannot let him go. Uh, and also, Joe asked, uh, Bernardo is obviously in great form. Do you think he is now showing the patience and power that David Silva? 
Silva brought. I feel like I've even seen him do a few patented David Silva circle dribbles as well. So that speaks into uh, Bernardo's performance. So, so anything uh, anything changed, Sam? Is he still desperate to, well, not, not desperate to leave, but still he's still looking to leave? I, don't, I mean, I don't know. But what I think what I would say is, the, the thing about him is, and the fact that Guardiola didn't really want him to leave in the summer anyway, even though like he was like, okay, well, if you want to go, then you can. But ideally, don't. Because I know I know you'll be great, even if you're not happy. Which, like I say, is no guarantee with a lot of the City players. When they're not playing, they're not happy. There's no guarantee that they're going to have the best attitude in training. There's no guarantee that they're going to um, have the best performances. And that's why he's always talking about no bad faces and, and, and all this kind of thing. Because it all ties into that. And with Bernardo, he knows that even if he's not happy or doesn't necessarily want to be there, then you're still going to get that level of performance. And so, there, like, he, he, I mean, what I do know is he obviously was disappointed that he couldn't go because he did want to leave. He did want to go back to Spain. Well, not I say back to Spain. He wanted to go to Spain, um, closer to family and all this kind of stuff. It disappointed it didn't happen. But like now the season started, you don't really get much time to, to dwell on that as a footballer. You, you do have to kind of focus on the games. And because he's so professional and his approach is so good, which obviously everybody everybody knows. Like, there's no there's been no time to really think. Okay, well, like even thinking about what didn't happen in the summer, or what might happen in the future. It's just games, games, games. And I I don't know what he's thinking as of right now. I don't know what he's thinking even as of a month ago. Beyond that disappointment, I I would argue. Although again, you know, this is all just speculation now. I would argue that it's too early to to make your mind up one way or the other what's going to happen. You know, Fernandinho came close to to leaving City, um, and all the way through the season, maybe not all the way, but quite certainly at this point, in terms of games into the season in the calendar, you know that that's what he was thinking, and it changed over the course of the year. And but I don't, I don't think he'll even be thinking about it too much because it's just well, I'm here, so I'm going to play. Yeah, let's and just crack as, on. With as it. we've seen over the last, as we've seen, yeah, exactly, as we've seen over the last week, like that's that's all he needs really. Um, and so, I mean, somebody asked about a contract extension as well, and I mean, I'm sure if City feel there's any point, then I'm sure they would They'd be do what they it. can to make sure yeah. he's happy. But if they get that, vi- you know, if they get that vibe that actually, no, I do want to go, which I would imagine is still the case. You know, it's been two summers in a row now. If anything, I think I think if anything, you'd probably be be more determined to go because you just think, well. It's it's two years now. I've been kind of I've been playing on and doing my job, but I would rather be somewhere else. I suppose the flip the flip side to that is Spanish football's got considerably worse in those two years, and it's it doesn't. This is again. It goes back to the end of last season when I was trying to explain to you after the Champions League final, the players were unhappy, and when I was sat around that table, I was like, "But they're playing the best football of their careers. They're playing." This was before the Champions League final as well. I was like, "They're in the Champions League final. They're playing for Guardiola. Even if they don't like him, he's getting the best out of them. They're playing. You know, they're, 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 like, why, why would you want to go? Like this, and th- this is my feeling as well. But obviously, the players don't necessarily feel like that. So it's easy for us to say, "Well." You can't go anywhere else. That's you can't go anywhere else that's better than City in terms of prospects of winning trophies and and playing good football at the moment. You you can't, especially like if he wants to go to Spain. Like why would you? Why would you ever want to go to Barcelona at the moment? Like it would not yeah. be a good footballing decision. And may, maybe maybe that comes into it. Maybe he goes fuck that. I'm not I'm not going there. Uh, and you know maybe there's no possibility of a move to Real Madrid. Or maybe even if there is, he thinks oh you know. I don't know. You, who, who, like maybe Ancelotti goes at the end of the season if they don't win the league. You know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility. 
So then he thinks, there's no for me to actually go here. And, you know, it, my life's not bad, so I'll stay. But I think these are all decisions that are going to have to be made depending on how well City do, depending on how well now, I'm not saying we're out of the pandemic, but basically most people are living life pretty normally. Um, you know, so he'll be able to fly a bit more, um, see family and stuff that way. You know, maybe his life improves, quality of life in Manchester improves compared to how it was during the pandemic. The other teams around Europe aren't great. Maybe he doesn't get the offers. Maybe he does stay. But I think these are all things that are going to be determined over the next few months, really. I think yeah. it's too early to have any real idea. It's not transfers, really. Like you, you hear whispers at this time of year, but they're so long. You know, even if teams are in pole positions or there is a lot of talk about players, like Haaland, for example, there's more. There's talk around about City at the moment. But it's like, you've got to get over the line. And it's the same with Bernardo. You know, we are, we are just going to have to see how it goes. But the... The fundamental thing is, like Guardiola was saying about the team's performance as a whole, you know he's there, you know he's going to perform, um, and that's going to be the most important thing because basically then if City do anything this season, he's going to be a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, plenty of people have asked about uh, another player as well, Ben, Andy Carrington, Chris King, uh, Joe Plant, but I picked the question from Eric Martin simply because he got in first. Uh, do you think that Stones will get starts after the international break? He should be back healthy and Laporte didn't cover himself in glory against PSG and Liverpool. I think that's a bit harsh on Laporte. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, he wasn't good for the goals. And again, this is probably a bit of a microcosm of the whole argument. You know, is it is it good bossing games if you don't win them? Like, is is it good being assured on the ball and defending well for eighty nine minutes but making a mistake or not doing particularly well for the key moment? Like, I, I don't know. Obviously, in an ideal world, you wouldn't have those mistakes at all. You know, Diaz didn't make many last season, did he? Certainly for goals, Laporte's made a couple, so maybe that is an issue. Um, I think Stones will play. I've just got the fixtures up here. Um, obviously, it depends on after the international break. But City at home to Burnley. You're probably thinking I'm going to say that's a good game to bring Stones in, but I'm thinking Pep's going to want a good, good resumption of yeah. the Premier League calendar. So I'd imagine he would go with the people who thinks is best. And as long as if all things are equal through the international break, I'd imagine that would be Diaz and Laporte again. But then for Bruges away, I'd imagine that's a John Stones game. In the same way that Stones, that these are the games that Stones played last year to get into the team when Laporte started the season. And then obviously once Stones was in, these are the games that Laporte ended up playing really towards the end of the season. Brighton away again. Probably Laporte back in. West Ham away in the League Cup, probably Stones. Um Palace own, probably Laporte. But then you never know, you know, there might be a there might be a sort of change. You know, Laporte might not play well in that Burnley game, for example, and then Stones comes in and does well against Bruges, and then maybe it, it switches. But um, I would imagine to answer the question that Stones is going to play in the cup games and Laporte will keep his place in the league, and then we'll see how that goes in October, basically. Yeah, I, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this one right. Uh, but uh, Vlahovic uh, asks, how do you rate Rodri's season so far? For me, he's been hella underrated. Yeah, um, well, in terms of underrated, I think everyone's talking about him being much better now, um, particularly after the last three games. And I think it's just the simple things like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just my limitations on watching football. Um, but I, I feel like it's much easier to appreciate a holding midfielder when they just put their body across somebody and tackle them and stop them from counter-attacking. And I think that's what's been missing from his game. And I mean, that has been missing from his game, to be fair. But it's harder to appreciate all the other stuff he does when, you know, it's a bit like what we were just saying about Laporte. You know, if you've got a 95% or 98% pass completion rate throughout the game and you're getting City of the pitch with good passes, but two or three times a game, somebody just runs past you and either scores or has a good chance, you're probably going to think they're not a good older midfielder. And that's basically been the case for his first season 
um, I think last season in City set up when they weren't being counterattacked upon too much. He, he looked much better. I think this season, they are still being counterattacked on a bit, but he's actually dealing with them himself, which is probably the step forward. And it's very, I think that's a very broad, basic statement. But I think that's how I'd sum up his, um, his, progress. his progress this season. Yeah. And particularly in the last few games. You know, when you start doing that to Kante, it's like, oh, hello, what have we got here? And obviously he did it, he did it against Liverpool quite a few times as well. Um, and yeah, 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 he, he does look, he, he does look very good. He does look very good. Um, and it would be great if he can keep that up because he's he's still young as well. I'm I'm guessing now he's 24. He might be 25 actually, but he is. Yeah, um, he's kind of showing the the player that he's 25. He's kind of showing the player that City believe they would eventually get, or that they you know I've said a million times they knew he had flaws in his game defensively that he needed to work on, but they still were convinced that it'd be great for them, and that's kind of what we're seeing. Yeah, it's kind of a, an, an example of, of the sort of player that, that uh, can't just be thrown into a Guardiola setup and needs the time to, to develop in it as well, I guess. Um, Amos yeah. Murphy also asks, uh, what, if any, impact would Gundogan have had at Anfield? For me, his late arrivals into the box are a bigger miss than anything a potential striker could have offered. Yeah, um, although I suppose the late arrivals, it would be... Well, I suppose we, we got this far. We've mentioned De Bruyne a couple of times. We've, we've not mentioned that he was pretty poor. Um, and I, I was thinking if it hadn't been De Bruyne, if it had been anybody else, he'd probably been taken off playing that poorly. And especially because, you know, City worked so hard for their opportunities and so hard to get men on the ball in midfield. And then for him just to give the ball away so often in promising areas, you think anybody else would have come off. But I suppose because it's De Bruyne, you're thinking if he just does that one pass or one shot, and I suppose the goal was deflected, but that's what he did you think he would have been the man to come off. And now you get back into that kind of almost the De Bruyne versus Bernardo debate that we had last last season. But if you're thinking about it in terms of where Gundogan would have fitted in, let's just say De Bruyne was the one injured and Gundogan had played. Mm, yeah, they might they might have been better off. Um, maybe not with those longer passes forward, which De Bruyne was generally fine. And you know when City were breaking on Liverpool after about 20, 25 minutes, yeah. trying to find Foden in behind. Um, maybe not so much for those passes, but maybe for the later arrivals to the box, maybe for hmm, the shorter passes, the more link-up stuff. I don't know. Guardiola's mentioned how Gundogan could be a false nine, and when he said it, it was like, that's ridiculous. But seeing how they play so often, how they've played so often with a false nine since then, just make it happen. Like It would have been very interesting to see how he would have worked as a false nine. And then, yeah, those runs into the box, they probably would have been useful. Um but obviously, it would have been a different game in terms of the passes in behind. It probably wouldn't have been his exact skill set, and that you know, if it, let's just say he ran onto the exact same chance that De Bruyne did with when he headed it over, he would that wouldn't necessarily have been any better. But I think the game would have been, yeah, it's interesting those late arrivals to the box. Maybe those runs in there really would have, you know, when when Shearer was highlighting those areas where people weren't inside the box, maybe. Not necessarily attacking the back post because that's not where Gundogan gets his goals, but maybe at some point there would have been. Yeah, um, I mean the the equaliser, the the second equaliser as well though. Um, like I can't remember where I saw this analysis, whether it was match of the day or whether it was on Sky after the game. Um, but it was, but Kyle Walker's run into the box there is what yeah. gave De Bruyne the chance to take a touch and hit it basically. Yeah. Um, 
There were a couple of times when he just went, right, I'm going for this. Yeah. And absolutely legged it for. And also when he took a free kick from 30 yards, <laughs> which was absolutely mental. Yeah. What, if, what, what? What is that? But if it had who's, gone in, mate, if it that? had gone in. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I mean, it never it was never going to, was it? And like, it's such a low percentage thing. Like, what? Like, I terrible, just absolutely mad. I mean, to be fair, if anyone's just going to hit a standing ball from thirty yards, it may as well be Walker because who else was in that lineup that would score from there? But why do it? Like, I, I can't even remember what the score was at that point. But obviously, City weren't winning. Like, it wasn't. It wasn't in a position where they could just go, okay, let's just try this. It was very unusual. There, yeah. Although there was a point. There was a point in the first half when Edison had the ball basically on the edge of his box and he had the two centre-backs either side of him. And Alisson was probably about 20 yards out. And I was like, there is no reason Edison couldn't score from here. But I was, but again, I was like, you're just never going to try it because if it doesn't know, if, come if off, Alisson yeah. catches it or you know it just goes out of play, then Pep's calling you a dickhead for giving the ball away cheaply, which yeah. is why I link it to the Walker free kick because Edison is much better off having a shot from his own box than Walker from a 30-yard free kick. Yeah, I mean, anyway, I, 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 the equalizers. I, I, yeah, I, I was going to say that just before we moved on to the final question. I once saw Richard Dunn smashing a free kick at West Brom, uh, and it was disallowed by the referee Graham Pohl because he hadn't blown his whistle. Um, yeah, and, I've seen that. Yeah, and and Richard Dunn, like I, he he, I think he re, I think he took the um, retake of that and missed. And I've never seen him take a. Free, I, I never saw him take a free kick again. Hmm. Um, so may, maybe maybe Walker thought he may, maybe he was just inspired by that one moment of City's history. Who knows? I mean, um, it makes. As much sense as anything. Yeah. Uh, final question for this week's show goes to David Hartley. Um, where do you see Grealish's long-term future in the squad and the team? Foden and Jesus are consistently making their selections on the wing justified and Rodri and Bernardo seem undroppable at the moment in the middle. He seems to take too many touches to occupy that false nine role. Um, well, this is, but this is it. Like all of a sudden you start going, oh, where does he fit in? But like, what do people expect? Sterling, Foden, Grealish, left wing, can't all play. Um, Grealish, Bernardo, Gundogan, De Bruyne as number eights, can't all play. Okay, maybe, maybe maybe after the international break he doesn't start because maybe Torres plays again and Foden's on the left because you can't drop Foden, which was the case last season when Sterling dropped out of the team because you can't drop Foden because he's so good. Um, maybe Jesus plays on the right because he doesn't deserve to lose his place either. So yeah, okay, maybe he drops out. But... Okay, and if he was playing much better, then you wouldn't be saying we wouldn't be having this conversation. It wouldn't be an issue. But then you'd be saying, "Well, where's Foden go?" You know, it's just it's a big squad. These conversations need to be had. These these decisions need to be made. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen a bit more Grealish hate in the last couple of games. I didn't think he was that bad against PSG, but so many people have said he was poor that I'm probably thinking I probably wasn't paying enough attention. Um, in terms of the game against Liverpool, it's difficult when you're a false nine because it's difficult to kind of get that appreciation for what they need to do. And there were times when he helped the team, but I will accept that it wasn't the most sparkly performance. Yeah. And when, when his number came up, I was like, yeah, fine. Like, that's, like, when Sterling was coming on, I was like, this has to be for Grealish. Like, it can't be for anyone else. And it was. Um, so, yeah, I get it. But, like, okay. Like, just, be, just because... You know, he scored against Norwich on like his second game. It doesn't mean he settled in. 
I mean, it as we were mean, saying about it Rodri, doesn't mean he's ready to go. You know, like we're talking about him. Okay, he cost hundred million, but so what? Like, it can cost whatever. It doesn't doesn't mean you're going to immediately fit into a Guardiola team. Yeah, I was going to say, as we were saying about Rodri, he's taken his time to fit into the team, understandably so. And you look yeah. at plenty of other players who have who have not had a, a great starts under Guardiola and gone on to be great yeah. players in Guardiola teams. Grealish has had a great start. That. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what I said about Grealish, but I was like. Because obviously, when it happened, it was all 100 million this and that. And I was like, what? I was like, how is his first season going to look? I was like, probably, probably spend a lot of it on the bench, score a few goals. And like, I think so far he's exceeded expectations. But when he, you know, if he does have a few games on the bench now, then well, fair enough. Like, Foden's outstanding and he's learned the game like so hard. Like, it feels like he's learned the game that he needs to play at City so much more than everybody else. Because it's almost like if you're coming to that team at 17, 18, 19. Guardiola's thinking, eh, you know, well, I might as well play David Silva. I might as well just play Sane or Sterling or whatever because you're a kid and you're not going to, you're not getting it. He's had to work so hard to get it to make sure that his game understanding fits with his talent. He just knows exactly what you need to do. And the execution's not always going to be there because, again, he's 21 years old, so he's still learning, but he's so good. Like, he he knows what he needs to do. So, it's no surprise that he plays and it's no surprise that Grealish might drop out for a bit because he's not absolutely flying because no no new signing at City is going to be flying from the off. I think probably the only one, um, maybe Walker actually. I know, we had, I know we had some spells during his early seasons around Christmas where he wasn't great, but... Diaz. Um, I think Walker, Diaz uh, and Edison. But... Um, None, none of those attackers. None of those are attackers. Yeah. None of the wingers that Pep signed have had great first seasons. None of them. Yeah. Uh, but Grealish, he, he's already he, he knows the right positions. He knows he knows the movements he needs to make, and he looks like he fits in there. It just needs to click a bit more. And even when you know he scored that goal against Norwich, and everyone was kind of you know that makes people think, oh, he's setting in really well. I was thinking, just want to see a bit more cutting edge. You know, if your whole thing is dribbling past players, then I want to see you do that, and then I. Because now you play for City, I want to see you score. So that goal he scored against Leipzig, Torres scored one similar last season. So I was like, okay, well that's good, but I want to see that in the Premier League. Yeah. And obviously we're not we're not quite seeing that yet. But okay, he's he's been at City for what two months? Okay, <laughs> let's see let's see how he's getting on um, in eighteen months. But yeah, like when when you got Foden and to a lesser extent Sterling because he's not playing well. But when you've got Gundogan and Bernardo and all of this, then yeah. Plenty of, be, plenty of time. Be, yeah, there'll be spells in and out of the team. And City could play, what, 60 games this season or so? So there's, uh, there's yeah, plenty, yeah, exactly. plenty of games. Yeah. Uh, right, so well, that brings us to the end of this week's Why Always Us. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, there may be no game next week, uh, but we will have another podcast for you. You can sign up to The Athletic right now with a 33% discount as well. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic. <laughs>